Welcome to Council 4 Unplugged. This is the podcast of our Council 4 AFSCME Union. I'm Larry Dorman. We are proud to represent nearly 30,000 workers in the public and private sector across Connecticut. And we have a special show today. We're going to talk about the issue of workers' compensation and how we can help workers who are injured on the job. And our guests are Eric Rents. He is the Acting Supervisor of Education and Safety and Health Services for the Division of Workers' Compensation in Connecticut, and Brett Owen, who is a staff representative at Council 4 and a leader of our Council 4 Workers' Compensation Committee. And I also want to introduce our my colleague, my co-host, our co-host, uh, Renee Hamill. Hi, Renee. Hi, how's it going? Good, good. And again, thanks to uh, Eric and Brett for joining us. So, Renee, I'm going to kick it off if you could uh, ask your questions. Thanks. Uh, we're very excited to have you both here today. And uh, the first question is for Eric. Um, just tell us, what is workers' compensation and what is the role of the Connecticut Compensation Commission? Hi, Renee. Uh, workers' compensation can mean two things to, to people. Workers' compensation, on one hand, is insurance purchased by employers to provide medical treatment and lost time benefit to their employees in the event of a work-related injury or illness. The Connecticut Workers' Compensation Commission, it's not a workers' compensation insurer. Our role is to ensure injured workers receive prompt payment of lost time wages and payment of medical, payment of medical treatment. So tell us about um, how the work of the commission, what do you all do to protect workers? The Workers' Compensation Commission has eight district offices throughout Connecticut, most of the big cities closer to people. We have 16 commissioners. They act as administrative law judges, and they adjudicate disputes, make findings and awards, and hear rule on appeals. Uh, last year, we had over 53,000 injuries and illnesses reported, and our agency had over 43,000 hearings. That's with 16 commissioners. We have several levels of hearings, starting with the most simple and quickest informal hearing, and that's to discuss disagreements between an injured worker and their employer or the employer's workers' comp insurer. The chairman of our agency has an advisory board composed of businesses and labor representatives, including an injured worker. Thank you, Eric. And Brett, I wanted to throw it over to you. Uh, you are a retired correction officer, uh, representative here at Council 4. Uh, you've always been a strong advocate for workers and workers' rights, uh, and you're also expert in this field. Um, what are the most important things a worker needs to know um, when applying for workers' compensation? What do they need to do when they've been injured on the job? And what are the first steps they need to take? Sure. Thanks, Larry. So it may sound obvious, but it really isn't. They need to report the injury is immediately to whoever the designated person is handling workers' comp injuries, injuries on the job. Uh, what tends to happen is people feel some kind of guilt or they feel they're fine, they're okay, and then they go home and maybe a couple days later they come back to work and then they report the injury and they're, they're leaving themselves vulnerable. So the obvious first thing is report the injury immediately, okay? And then from there, they need to seek medical treatment for that injury from a designated medical facility designated by the employer. Um, and then that's initially, and then they can choose their own physician, doctor, treatment from that point forward. But they have to initially go to one of the designated 
uh, treatment facilities from the employer. And then once that is done, they need to file a 30C. That's imperative. 30C protects them. The comp commissioner has uh, a whole, you know, the workers' comp act is set up for the employees. It, it favors the employees. It's set up. It's one of the it's one of the easiest in the entire country to follow. It's not complicated for workers, and that's intentional. So by filing a 30C form, it protects them in the future if the claim is contested. And typically when the 30C is filed, most employers or third-party administrators uh, will contest it just to, to go in front of the commissioner and have a hearing and discuss you know, the causation. So those are the first, the most important things to do when you're injured initially. And then it gets complicated from that point forward and that's where we come in and walk them through everything. Great. And uh, Eric, I'll, I'll ask you this question, obviously, as, a, as an employee and a representative of the Workers' Comp Commission, um, how does your agency educate employees and employers about, the, um, about their legal rights under the system? Sure, Larry. I'm part of the Education Services Department. I've been here for 26 years, uh, this week, 26 years. We have a staff of seven employees, and we provide education and outreach to employees really all, all um, stakeholders in the workers' comp system. We have a designated 800 number. It's staffed by three people in this office. We answer any questions about the workers' compensation process. We try to resolve questions or disputes between the employee and the employer, the medical provider and the insurer. We speak to all the parties concerned just to answer questions and make sure people have the correct information and things are moving on a timely fashion. Um, we also talk to attorneys who may need clarification on specific issues. Uh, last year, Education Services filled over 80,000 requests for written information, um, and that includes mailing the employee packet and the 30C claim form within five business days once we receive a first report of injury from the insurer or the employer. Um, we also provide training programs and speakers for all parties in the Workers' Compensation Commission. That's a lot of people that um, you're interacting with and are seeking information about workers' comp. Um, I'd like to know about what the commission does to make sure that vulnerable populations are informed about workers' compensation. So like high-risk occupations, like law enforcement and public safety, and um, populations that may not have English as their first language or may be undocumented. Sure. We'll work with the parties um, if they need translators um, at the informal hearing level. Most parties are able to bring a friend or a family member to translate for them. We have online and printed information in Spanish, and one of our education employees speaks Spanish on the phone. So if you call in, we can definitely get you direct information. Um, as far as high-risk industries, we have two safety program officers they regularly visit employers to ensure compliance with our safety and health committee regulations. One of our SPOs, he's assigned to municipalities and state agencies. That covers law enforcement, public safety. And another SPO, he primarily visits hospitals and healthcare facilities. Um, the safety and health committee regulations intended to be non-adversarial, cooperative, and effective effort, and it's supposed to promote safety and health at each covered work site. There's no fines and penalties. It's, it's a chance for employers and employees to get together, at least on a quarterly basis, 
and discuss safety issues and concerns and follow up with that Medi-Each covered worksite. Interesting, Eric. Thank you. Um, and just a quick observation before I uh, go to Brett. I, you know, I think that I think your commission really exemplifies the fact that Connecticut has a what I would call a mature system of, of workers' compensation. Um, the labor movement has fought hard uh, to create this system. Uh, we've fought hard to hold employers accountable and make sure that workers union or non-union uh, get the benefits they're entitled to under the system. But uh, it's it's a, a tribute, I think, uh, to your commission that you're, you're getting so much done in a, in a positive way. Thank you. Uh, Brett, I wanted to ask you, uh, as, as a representative of Council 4, um, how does our union assist members in navigating the workers' comp system? And I'd also ask you, I guess, as a, as a retired correction officer, why is a union important for workers who are hurt on the job? So, but the, the first question is, what exactly are you doing in the council doing to help uh, our members who get hurt? Great question. So as I alluded to before, we have a committee, a workers' compensation committee at Council 4 that consists of uh, staff representatives, service representatives, and staff attorneys. And what typically happens is a staff representative, one of, one of their members from the units they represent, would be notified by that member that they had to work, hopefully to be notified by that member that they have a workers' compensation injury, injured on the job. They would gather the paperwork from that member. The staff representative would gather that paperwork from that member and then forward it over to us as the committee we would review all the paperwork regarding the injury, uh, doctor, any kind of doctor's notes, what forms were filed already. And then we would determine through the committee uh, whether we take that case on, if, if, if something that Council 4 can handle with our knowledge and experience, um, our attorneys, our staff reps, our service reps. And if not, then we would advise that employee member to seek counsel seek a workers' compensation attorney to handle that case if it was too complex for us. So that's what we provide. And we have, I've been doing this for over 20 years between corrections and now with Council 4 for the past eight years. And we have so many knowledgeable staff. We're, we're fortunate as a labor union and a labor organization to have such knowledgeable staff because most of them don't. And we, we have a great reputation out there amongst our members for, you know, representing them very, very well in, in cases. And, and like I said, the Workers' Compensation Act is designed to help the employee. It's, it's not a hindrance at all. It's very easy to navigate through. And we walk our members right through from the beginning, you know, all the way up to a formal. If it goes to a formal, if we're representing them, and then if we're one of our staff attorneys represents them in the formal, then that would be again determined by the committee. As far as uh, why labor unions are important, just ask the private sector, ask employees in the private sector. I, I have conversations frequently, and they have no idea how to proceed with an injury on the job. They don't get the education. They don't get the guidance that we, you know, we as a council for and labor organization um, provide. 
they really have no knowledge at all. So we're, we're fortunate as a, as a, a, our council, as a labor organization to be able to provide that knowledge and experience and education to our members. And it's, it's imperative, you know, because people get injured on the job and they don't know what to do. And we, we guide them through that. I don't know if I answered the question or not. Oh, you did. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, Brett. Um, and it's great that we have this uh, service that we can provide our members, like you said, with a lot of knowledgeable staff who's, who's worked with members for a while doing this type of stuff. Um, you know, COVID has been a really, has a really big impact on the workers um, this past few years. And um, so we wanted to hear from you, Eric, how has that impacted uh, the workers' compensation system? Governor Lamont issued an executive order in 2020 and created a rebuttable presumption that workers who contracted COVID-19 between March 10th, 2020 and May 20th, 2020, um, that shifts the burden of proof from the employee, which the employee always has to prove that their, their work-related injury arose in the course of employment. The rebuttable presumption switched it from the employee having to prove that the COVID exposure was work-related now the employer has to prove that it did not arise in the course of their employment. We've also seen an increase in the use of telemedicine and that can, really, that can result in quicker medical treatment and it may be more convenient for some workers. And again, uh, concerning the COVID-19, something we have fought for at the legislative level to make sure that uh, workers are protected and that employers are, are held accountable uh, when so many workers are getting sick and having to miss work because of this pandemic. So uh, appreciate that perspective, Eric. I, you know, I also wanted to ask you, um, you know, there, there's an obvious trend going on in our economy toward um, workers being uh, employed as independent contractors and, you know, perhaps most famously in the so-called gig economy, um, Uber, Lyft, and so on and so forth. Um, uh, these employers don't pay workers' compensation benefits, as you know, and um, we were curious to get your perspective from the commission. Do you see um, this trend toward independent contracting, rather, as a threat to workers' compensation, and what other threats to the system um, do you see? I don't think the commission has an official opinion on that. My opinion is if someone chooses to become a gig worker or self-employed or sole proprietor, that's often a personal decision. Many people do find it beneficial to be self-employed. Um, we are here if an individual feels that their injury, uh, they're injured at work and that there was an employee-employer relationship, they can always file a claim for compensation and a commissioner will rule on those issues. Um, <laughs> um, our lawmakers make the change in, in the law for workers' comp. So if they feel that gig workers should be covered under workers' comp statutes, right. they can make those changes. Um, one, one example was providing workers' comp insurance to certain personal care assistants in private residences, those people who work less than 26 hours per week. Prior to that change, they were not covered under workers' compensation for Connecticut. Right, right. Uh, thank you. It's interesting to know. And again, your your commission is doing a great job working with the governor and with the legislature uh, to make sure workers are protected. Yeah, so um, we have one final question for both of you. Um, we'll start with Brett. 
what can workers do to ensure the workers' compensation system is protected, robust, and going to be working for them when they need it most? Well, I would say utilize the resources that the Workers' Comp Commission offers. It's, it's there for them. It, it's designed, again, like I said, for the employee, the members, our members. Um, you know, we, we provide in conjunction with the Workers' Comp Commission and their education department training for a lot of our members. So we, we try to educate them and, you know, and just try to get that knowledge out there, not just within Council 4 and representatives, but through the, with the members, the executive boards. The more, the more knowledge that's out there, the more knowledgeable the people are, employees, members, executive boards, the more they'll understand it and it keeps that system going. It's, it's there for the employees to protect the workers. Right. How about you, Eric? So <clears throat> this question should be answered in two ways because I think you're, you did stress that when employees need it most and, and my day-to-day job on that is when an, after an employee is injured. So plan ahead. Uh, work safely. Follow the rules at your workplace. If it takes two people to lift something, use the two people to lift things. Um, our safety program officers, when they visit the work sites to, for safety committee compliance, they are checking the posting notices to make sure that employees have access to uh, who the workers' comp insurer is in the nearest workers' comp uh, district office. So employees can educate themselves at the workplace. And one thing Brett started, the first thing he said was communicate, let people know what's going on. Uh, a, a big a, a big roadblock <clears throat> in the workers' comp system is people not communicating, employees not talking to their employers, um, doctors not returning calls to insurers. So communication, planning ahead. Um, I, I think your, your question was leading to how can workers uh, be involved in workers' comp system? They could really speak to the lawmakers, be involved. Um, union, union activism is a great way to go. Um, I'll give you one example. Our legislators extended post-traumatic stress disorder benefits. Um, they're now post-traumatic stress injury benefits uh, to, to police, firefighters, and parole officers under certain circumstances in 2019. Um, somebody must have spoken to the lawmakers because effective 6-30-2021, uh, those benefits were expanded to include emergency medical services, all Department of Correction employees, do you know that, Brett? 9-11 yes. emergency des- dispatchers and under circumstances that are related to COVID-19 healthcare providers. So the lawmakers do affect the change with our input. And by ours, I mean workers, not, not the agency. Well, we're happy that you brought that up because um, it was actually our members, our union, we were um, big leaders in getting that to passed. Mm-hmm. Um, Because we saw the importance of, um, you know, our members being protected on the job. Before we close out the show, I did want to ask if you want to share the website or any other information if people want to learn more about workers' compensation. Sure, there's a ton of information on the website. If you need help navigating through it, call me up and and I'll walk you through the page. So it's um, WCC, like Workers' Comp Commission, wcc.state.ct.us. If you're in Connecticut, 
called during normal work hours, 800-622-4123 or 860-493-1534. Someone should be there to answer it. If not, leave a message. We'll get back to you. There's only three of us. We we look at each other and we see the blinking message light. Uh, one, one last thing I'd add to, yes. to um, getting medical treatment reporting. I, I've been telling injured workers, keep a log of who you speak to, a diary about what happened, who might have been witnesses, and, and names and phone numbers. It, it's helpful um, if we need to speak to someone to, to know, you know the exact date. I was doing something somewhere sometime and somebody was a witness. Great point. Great point. Uh, also, just you know, for people who are listening to our program, particularly if you're a Council Four member, although I certainly encourage the um, any people who aren't members who are listening to go to our website at council4.org under the member resources drop down menu. We do have uh, a link to uh, the Workers Comp Commission as well as our own uh, some of our own information about what to do and how to interact with the commission if you've been uh, hurt on the job. So um, I do want to thank our guests. This has been a really fascinating show and really important uh, subject matter. Uh, Eric Rentz from the Workers' Compensation Commission, and Brett Owen, um, representative, staff representative here at Council 4. Gentlemen, um, thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. Thanks, Larry. Welcome, Thanks, thank you. Yep. And Renee, always good to see you too. Likewise. Nice talking with you all. Yeah. And we'll be back uh, soon. So until then, remember, you've been unplugged. Thanks for listening. As always, thanks for listening to our Council 4 Unplugged podcast. You can find us on all major social platforms by searching for Council 4 AFSCME. Our website is council4.org. My name's Larry Dorman, and you've been unplugged. <laughs>